politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for all the issues that matter in the way they matter, and most importantly, at the time they matter. And that time is Tuesday, Election Day, November 7th. We're a year out, exactly a year out from the big election. But we do have elections today in, obviously, Ohio for the abortion referendum and Virginia for control of the legislature. We'll see the governor's race in Kentucky, some legislative races in Mississippi. We'll give you coverage on that the best of my ability tomorrow. Today, obviously, you know, there's nothing to focus on. Election day itself is boring, but there's a lot going on pursuant to last election. Pursuant to last election, Republicans won control of the United States House. And that gives them the ability to stand before the American people and say, we will not fund a border that is open that brings in people who hate us and destroy us. It is that simple. You will never get more of a critical issue, more of an auspicious issue with the timing. So you might hear a lot of different noise about Republicans focusing on a laddered approach, meaning they'll do a continuing resolution offer a few things for a month and then other things for two or three months and try to limit the fight so you're not fighting on all of government at once. I don't care about the strategy. I don't care about the process. Whatever process makes them comfortable to have a knockdown, drag out fight on the border is what I'll support. But if this is all just a way of wiggling out of it, then it's worthless. So it's not about the process. Ultimately, are you scared of the crap we let in more than you're scared of a government shutdown? Or are you more scared of a government shutdown? Okay, that's what that boils down to. I want to talk about what sort of things we've already let in. And then we'll have a briefing coming up on what we're currently letting in. The latest at the border, particularly in Arizona. Uh, first, our sponsor today is always our friends at Patriot Mobile. So, obviously, we're limited in terms of elections. The lesser of two evils, we're always told. Well, what if I told you you have a choice not of the lesser of two evils, but affirmative good? You have three companies that are in bed with China and spy on you, and then you have Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative network. Well, Daniel, you know, maybe they're more expensive. No, they're not. Maybe they have less coverage. They use the same cell towers. Well, it's a pain in the neck to change. No, it's not. You go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT and use activation code CR. Keep your number. Keep your phone. They do the switch for you. And now, rather than your your money going to fund the Muslim Brotherhood and BLM, it actually goes to fund causes like free speech, religious freedom, and sanctity of life. So again, make the switch today at patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT, uh, offer code CR. So Ezekiel 22.30, and I sought of them a man who puts up a wall and stands in the breach before me for the sake of the land, that it not be destroyed. But I did not find it. And then God goes on to say, so he basically threw his wrath on the land and destroyed it. And, and, and this is both metaphorically, 
putting up a wall in front of evil, but also physically to protect Elaine. And it's not just the wall, in this case, it's the policies. I don't know why I'm the only one promoting the idea of state deportations. That is the only way to use decentralization for an issue that typically needs centralized control, but the only centralized control we're going to have is for the bad, to actually rival the federal incentives with state disincentives, knowing that if you come to red states, you'll be deported. That is probably the number one thing we can do at a federal level. The number one thing at a local level is our citizens' uh, defense forces I want to talk about. But uh, that's where we are with the border. We let in a bunch of garbage. And now we're starting to see We've let in Hamas, we've let in Jew haters, we talked about yesterday, the Muslim Brotherhood. So I want to give a little bit of an update on some of the garbage we've let in and some of the stories we're seeing, uh, a little bit of foreign policy, and then go back to a border briefing with Ben Berkham, who's coming up. But I just first want to comment briefly on Kim Reynolds' endorsement of Ron DeSantis, because I just I know if I don't do it now, we're not going to have time. <clears throat> Um, look, everyone's asking me, Daniel, is this going to win DeSantis, Iowa? I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is this. What I do know is it will give us clarity. Right now, DeSantis is a problem that he's running through conservative media that is completely blacking him out, shadow banning him. And by the way, I, I cannot tell you how many organization heads I've spoken to recently they are like, Daniel, I totally agree with you, but you know, my constituents, my members, you know, they're gonna get angry at me. Everyone gets it that the emperor is wearing no clothes. So, number one, I give credit to Kim Reynolds. I mean, you look at the polling data, it doesn't look good. And for her to go out on a limb, and from what I'm hearing, it's not just a matter of an endorsement, but she's gonna go all in with her statewide network campaign for him. So, those of you who think that there's no hope. I would say yesterday dashes that dose of pessimism because it doesn't guarantee he's going to win, but it certainly gives a roadmap to winning Iowa. And winning Iowa doesn't guarantee you win the primary, but it crushes that sense of inevitability and gives him a good chance headed forward, provided that Nikki Haley and these idiots drop out. Um, but the broader point is, Iowa, in in many respects, is our dream scenario. It's strong social conservative, strong church networks. Um, it's a caucus rather than a primary, and we've said this many times. It does weed out a good number of low-information voters, and then you have the governor as the force multiplier. It's a small state. You can concentrate your forces there. It will be very clarifying. If he can't win, it, it it demonstrates that it's irremediably broken. If he does win, it will show that we are right about this dichotomy between where you have a low a high information event versus a low information event and serve as a blueprint for what I believe is the future that we need to transform all primaries into either conventions or caucuses. So, you know, in other words, what I'm saying is, if if we're concerned about the fact that, oh, there's not enough attention, there's not enough focus on him, that is true nationally. But after this, along with several other factors in Iowa, that should not be a problem. So that will vet that out, and we'll see. But it's interesting, of course, conservative media will not 
touch this endorsement. They will not touch it. Instead, they're focusing on Huckabee Sanders in, in Arkansas. Not surprisingly, she was Trump's press secretary, is going to endorse Trump. And look, you know, she did not want to endorse him, by the way. And he must have really worked her over. So that will be their focus. Um, conservative media is bankrupt, pathetic. Everyone is scared. It's the, it's the known joke. Whether you have a conservative NGO organization or a media outlet, oh my gosh, I, you know, I know Trump's a buffoon, but I'm too scared. Well, we're not scared here to tell the truth. Um, so that's with that. But anyway, back to uh, this jihad. So we now have a, a Jewish man, 69-year-old, who was killed in L.A., he was counter-protesting a Hamas rally, and someone banged him over the head with a megaphone, and it seems like he fell back, hit his head on the concrete, and then died later from that. And and this is going to continue to happen. Um, when they chant death to the Jews, I mean, you better believe them. Uh, I don't know if they, as of now, it doesn't look like they caught the perp, but I'm sure he is a, a lovely person we let into the country. You have another Jewish woman being thrown to the ground in New York City by uh, one of these hyenas. And then there's this story from Indiana where this 34-year-old 34 uh, Ruba something, trying to figure out what her name is, um, she basically was caught trying to ram into what she thought was a Jewish school, but she didn't do her jihad properly, and it turned out it was this uh, black Hebrew-Israelite thing, and they actually are rapidly anti-Semitic. They're kind of like BLM type of guys. So she couldn't even get her jihad right. Uh, the best I can see, she is or a Jordanian national. And, and by the way, we, we've brought in a tremendous amount of Arabs to Indianapolis. That's one of the places where there's just uh, Palestinians and uh, Jordanians... There's, there's a lot of them there, and uh, yeah, I mean, you could have a, you know, this is not some sort of a teenager. She's already 34 and a female, okay? So not not the kind of prototypical uh, demographic of Jihad and was still willing to totally go all out for her cause, uh, thinking that this uh, building was, was a Jewish school. So that's the sort of garbage we brought in. And then, of course... Not a single person was charged with White House vandalism for the Saturday breaching of the outer perimeter of the White House, um, you know, perimeter they put up. So they're not even pretending. The anarcho-tyranny is just straight in our faces. Oh, and then, by the way, there's this clip here. Just real quick. Listen to this chant from a pro-Gaza rally cry in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. Resistance in the U.S. is justified, just like our resistance in Palestine is justified. Okay, so you hear that. We're going to bring the fight to America, too. Exactly what they did in Israel, they want to do here. They want to do that here. So I got news for you. We've let in Hamas. We've let in Gaza. We've let in the entire Middle East. We've let in the jihad sentiment. So the most important thing of a government to do is keep them out. If they don't keep them out, the most important thing for us to do is find ways to get rid of them and protect ourselves. And the two ways are local state law enforcement having the right to coordinate. I mean, local would 
coordinate with the state and the state would deport. And then B, citizens militias that are brought in under the color of law. And ironically, Israel is doing this. And I want to I wanna build on this because I noted this last week, and now I'm seeing this is exactly what I have in mind to be done here. First, our other sponsor, as we find ways to protect our lives, protect your property and your investments with Birch Gold. Uh, right now, gold is really soaring. You wait longer, it's going to get more expensive. Now's the time to get in. Text Daniel to 989898 for a free info kit on gold, in particular from Birch. Uh, what they will do is when you put in your 6500 a year per spouse for your IRA contribution or a 401k, rather than putting in the stock market casino, put it in something of value, increasingly of value, Birch Gold today. Again, that's texting the word Daniel to 989898. You get the info kit. You call them up. They have great economists, very knowledgeable people will direct you A to Z, what investment is good for you, and how to go about doing it. 989898, texting to Daniel today to Birch Gold. So there's a story out there that um, the media is dubbing it settler militias. So settler is kind of the Israeli geopolitical term um, by the globalists used for, like they use here, white supremacists. So it's the settlers, those religious Jews living in Judea and Samaria. Uh, they call it the West Bank, which makes no sense because uh, Jordan doesn't own that anymore, and they just illegally occupied it for 18 years and, and, and lost it. But anyway, they're like, um, the Israeli army is recruiting settlers who have not undergone military service in order to post them as defense militiamen. In the settlements they reside in, Hebrew newspaper Haaretz reported on November 2nd. The recruits are expected to undergo accelerated basic training for three weeks, after which they will be armed and stationed in the settlements. Settlers between the ages 27 and 50 have not, who have not completed their military service will be eligible to apply for the program. Um, and it talks about the different communities. They're putting it there. According to what an Army representative told various individuals inquiring about the program, settlers with criminal records could join the service depending on the nature of the crime. Another settler was told that the Army would overlook criminal records, yada, yada. Um, now... It's not a surprise that Israel is doing this now. Again, their entire country is under rockets. Their north is evacuated. Their south is evacuated. They had the equivalent of what would be 40,000 deaths murdered uh, scaled to the American population and tens of thousands of others scaled to the American population injured. So, yeah, they're finally doing this. But I want to do this before we get to that here. National Security Minister Ben Gavir said, we will turn the world upside down so that towns are protected. I have given instructions for massively arming the civilian security teams to provide solutions for towns and cities. So a couple things here. First of all, um, you know, as I noted a couple weeks ago, for those who thought that Israel, you know, purposely orchestrated this attack on their own people so they could seize control. Again, you know, the last thing you're going to do is arm your civilian population. So clearly that's out the window. Um, but number two is, this is exactly what we need to do here. 
Now, obviously, our federal government is is not going to do that. We need to find the reddest counties mixed with the state legislatures that will fund it to, uh, let's just say, break through some of the NFA restrictions on the sorts of weaponry that civilians have access to. And we need to undergo that training. And by the way, just I, I just have to plug that um, I have an update on Patriot Academy. So our December 18th trip to Fredericksburg, Texas, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. They're now running a special offer. So either those of you who have not signed up or those of you who, who have already signed up, it's buy one, get one free. If you come yourself, you could bring one family member or friend f- to the training for free. And this is really, I mean, again, you know, those of you who live in states where you can get concealed carry without training, that's awesome. That's your right. But it's good to get training anyway. And this is really amazing, amazing training. So they now have a one-for-one offer. You could bring a guest for free. Unbelievable offer. First time ever. PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. So what happened was the Biden administration got wind of the Israelis doing this, and they're now trying to institute gun control in Israel. The Biden administrations from Axios allowed Israel to buy thousands of M16 rifles from U.S. defense companies. So, so mind you, they're buying it. Okay, they're not. This is not part of aid. They're buying it, giving U.S. defense companies um, business. Okay, so no one should have any uh, objections to that. And it turns out that they're only allowing it after being assured that weapons wouldn't go to civilian teams in Jewish settlements in the occupied West Bank. Yeah, it's occupied, the areas that are occupied by Arab terrorists. Um, Chris Van Hollen is one of the lawmakers who raised concerns about the potential diversion of arms to West Bank settlers. Unbelievable. But by the way, why is it that the most alarming thing in the entire world of geopolitical affairs is a religious Jew taking a dump in, in, in some hilltop on Samaria becomes like an international incident. I just don't understand that. I mean, there's only one explanation for it. I'm saying whatever you believe or understand or ignorant about the history and the security there and whatever, um, but why is it such a big deal? that Jews are absolutely not allowed to live in that area. So the difference between Judea and Samaria and Gaza is that Jews could also live in Judea and Samaria along with the Arabs, whereas in Gaza, Jews weren't allowed to live there. So they like they like the Gaza model. It's like It's not like the Arabs are not allowed to live there. They do live there and commit terrorism, do all their stuff, but Jews cannot live. They're not allowed to live there. I mean... And it's all like sanitized with this settler in West Bank and occupation. I mean, since when are are Jews not allowed to live anywhere, much less their biblical homeland? It's like saying Jews can't live in this part of Belgium. And by the way, just a big part of Israel is composed, probably about half of it at this point, of, of Jews who lived in not, not from Europe, but like from Iraq and Morocco and Algeria, Tunisia, all these places. So Jews were kicked kicked out of 
those countries that, by the way, Jews, just like the Yazidi Christians in Iraq, they lived there before Islam was even invented. And then now, so, you know, they were kicked out. And now, okay, so they went to Israel. And now, like, you're not allowed to live there either. It's unusual for the U.S. to attach such a condition on weapons sales to Israel and reflects the sensitive nature of the deal, a time of rising concerns about violence against Palestinian citizens during Israelis' military mission. So this is the new um, the new blood libel. So Arabs run in the streets in, in Judea, Samaria. You might have seen uh, some of their rallies, death to Jews, violent as hell. And it's like, it's those Jewish women like like uh, pushing strollers with their kids that, that they're, they're going to butcher the the Hamas dudes. Like, I mean, dude, at least make your blood libel realistic. Yeah, those burly Jews are gonna beat up those those uh meek little uh peace loving Arabs. What a bunch of crap. But anyway, this is what they're doing. They're trying to institute gun control there. And uh the head of the Samaria Regional Council for the Jewish community is there Yassi Dagin responded on Monday. There seems to be some serious confusion here. The residents of Judea and Samaria are in a real and immediate danger. There is ample reason to fear that what happened in the south of Israel will be revisited upon the Jewish communities of Judea, Judea and Samaria that are adjacent to the villages under the Palestinian Authority control. What the government should be doing right now is releasing a clear, factual, and unequivocal statement to media outlets worldwide debunking the myth of settler violence, a blood libel fabricated by an extreme leftist fringe organization. The Israeli government should be using the considerable resources at its disposal, its access to international media platforms to explain that the emergency first response squads are organized IDF units dedicated to protecting communities against terrorists. And they make an interesting point here. While 80% of the male residents of Judea and Samaria are on emergency military duty and their families are home alone, worrying about the safety of their fathers and sons, our heads of state should not be encouraging this libelous campaign. Um, in other words, he's calling on their government to push back. But basically, um, they're doing it because, I mean, think about it. All of their young males are are stationed in the military now. So you now have... These communities are surrounded by Arabs in uh, Judea and Samaria, so that's what they're doing to protect themselves from. See, see, this is the you know how they say both sides need to stop. So one side is massacres the other, and the other side wants to kind of like survive. So that's considered an act of war. The, you know, you're you're not allowed to live. You know, the Arabs kill, the Jews want to live. Kind of, kind of the same thing. But uh, that's what this piece of garbage administration is doing. Um, and, and, and again, it's just like this is why I am for gradually winding down aid to Israel in general and just unleashing them to do their stuff because it's become an abusive relationship. Um, but back to kind of where we are with the garbage we've let in. So, an interesting point, as I'm just watching all these people getting arrested now, you had that uh, guy in Houston, that Jordanian that was going to shoot up a Jewish joint in Houston, uh, abuse the asylum process, overstate his visa. It just reminded me, we are literally walking in Israel's footsteps. So, one of the big stories of the massacre is that 
they allowed in, again, this uh, allowing in people who hate you. So as I noted before, these communities near Gaza of Jews were largely left-wing, very hippie peace types. You know, they had that like peace festival they were doing. And, um, you know, Israel stupidly allowed in Gazans to work. And these guys specifically wanted to hire them because they wanted to give them work. And it turns out that many with work, work visas assisted in the massacre. So they would go with the Hamas dudes, or they were part of Hamas, and would murder the very families that gave them jobs. That is what we're doing. We give asylum to all these people, and then they go and kill us. I mean, literally, Israel's the canary in the coal mine. It's funny, a, a friend of mine told me an interesting story. Um, he has a friend who worked in the CIA, and they ran anti-Hezbollah ops. This is like years ago, and he captured a Hezbollah flag. Or, 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 or maybe it was given to him by the Israelis or whatever. So he had it as like a souvenir. He had it hanging up in his office or maybe his home office. So they have this housekeeper who is an Algerian immigrant that saw the Hezbollah flag and her eyes lit up and said, wow, you support Hezbollah too? <laughs> I don't know if he enlightened her as to what it was, but you know, it, again, it was just a glimpse into this is the sentiment of these people. Make no mistake about it. We are letting in people who hate us, hate our values. The worst are the, the Muslims, but again, the third world people from these Latin American countries, Venezuela, you know, they got their problems too. They absolutely have their problems too. By the way, one other thing on Israel um, before we move on. Biden just announced that he's banning Codels to Israel. That's congressionally, you know, of taxpayer-funded congressional fact-finding foreign policy trips. So while Biden himself and the White House and the White House officials and the State Department travel to Israel to uh, enforce a ceasefire and otherwise get them to commit suicide, the Biden admin is preventing Congress from going because they know Congress is pro-Israel, largely, I mean, you know, generally, and certainly the Republicans. So they don't want congressional Republicans to report back on what's happening and give sympathy to them. So they're banning them from coming so only they could go. But mind you, they didn't ban Codels to Ukraine. So somehow that's not unsafe. Oh, and by the way, did you see Zelensky just announced he's canceling elections? So uh, whenever they say we're fighting for democracy, peace is war and war is peace. Whenever the left uses democracy, you know exactly what that means. It means uh, fascism. And uh, the same way like here, they don't want any – it's like you're anti-democracy if you're dissenting from the government putting out information. So likewise, you're anti-democracy if, uh, if you want elections in Ukraine at this time. So good times, good times. We have a government that hates us and is bringing in more people who hate us. And that leads me to our next guest. So, folks, if you're not already following Ben Berkwam, you got to do this at Ben Berkwam on, on Twitter. Um, and the last name is spelled B-E-R-G-Q-U-A-M. And he is the host of Law and Border Show, a must watch. It's on Real America's 
voice news. So you get that at FrontlineAmerica.com, FrontlineAmerica.com. And he is with us today to give us a literally a live update from the Tucson, Arizona border. We've focused a lot on Texas, but I want to focus today on Arizona and broadly what we're bringing in. Hey, Ben, thanks so much for joining us in your busy schedule. Hey, great to be with you again. Uh, and just to clarify, uh, to get the episode law and Porter, it's americasvoice.news. All of my articles you can get from I run frontlineamerica.com, but uh, americasvoice.news is where you get law and border. And yeah, I'm here. I was actually been down on the border of Arizona for the last five days. Um, I just came up from the Tohono O'odham Reservation, and I'm actually at the Border Patrol Processing Center in Tucson, Arizona, as we speak. So give us a sense of, you know, you covered the border for a number of years. What is different with this Arizona trip? Um, it's on another scale. So, you know, you, you, when we come down here, and, and the reason I, I go to all these places and I go over and over and over again, and as we speak, there's a bus loaded with uh, illegals that have just been processed. Uh, they brought up, I'm actually going to follow this bus. I'll let you know where it goes to. And uh, so they, but the, it, it, it's the, the magnitude of what I'm seeing is, is what's different. Uh, Arizona has always been a major place for uh, the runners and the gotaways. In fact, the Tucson sector is the number one gotaway location in the country. But what, what the shift that's happening now is we've got massive numbers, just like we've seen in uh, Yuma, Arizona and Eagle Pass, Texas in uh, Brownsville and, and McAllen, Texas. Now we're seeing these massive groups of the so-called asylum seekers, which are basically immigration fraud, gaming the system, being taught by leftist NGOs on how to do this. Now we're seeing these massive groups come through what we call no man's land, Arizona. It's literally, it's one of the most inhospitable parts of the country. Uh, temperatures you know, getting up to 120 plus degrees in the summertime. And usually this is only an area where you have drug runners and the yep. really bad guys that don't want to get caught. Now we're seeing... Huge numbers come through. I saw 1,500 yesterday, and uh, it's, it's basically a shift from just the, the runners to now everybody and, and to the you know, uh, numbers that have never before been seen historically in this area. So why would they go to Arizona, which is much farther away up the pipeline from Central America? Um, the straight shot is the Rio Grande Valley maybe Del Rio, which is why that's where the numbers have been. Why would they go to a farther location that's, that's rougher terrain? Well, one of the things you have to remember is all of this is controlled by the cartels on the Mexico side. So uh, now some of that is, you know, when you're down in Central America, you can kind of choose your, your destination and, and your routes. But once you get up into Mexico, and depending on where you want to go in the United States, you're basically at the, the, the whims of the cartel. Um, so some of that is cartel driven, but I truly believe that some of this is being orchestrated on our side by the, uh, the people in, in power in our government that don't want America to see what's really happening. And, and so one of the things I noticed a couple months ago was a shift going in from Yuma, Arizona, which is fairly easy to get to, although it's, it's somewhat remote, uh, but we had lots of cameras down there. Uh, just a couple months ago, we broke the story where that shift went further east out into a place called Loopville, Arizona, which is, is just hell on earth. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's no, no reason to go there. Very hard to get to on the Mexico side. And, uh, and it shifted over there. Now we're seeing this shift in, onto the Tohono O'odham 
uh, Indian reservation. And I believe it's partly for the same reason because it's so difficult. In fact, uh, you, you are in theory, or you have to get the blessing from the reservation in order to even go down onto the reservation. Um, and it's, it's one of those places that's very difficult to get to. It's hard to get cameras there. But the other side of it is border patrol in this area in particular, it takes them two hours to get down there from the station and two hours to get back. So it's a round trip of four hours, which are basically means you're taking a border patrol agent off the line for a minimum of four hours. And for the cartels, that's great news because right now in Arizona, in this sector, you have no border patrol agents on the line. Every single one I've been down here for again, five days. Uh, I have not seen a single border patrol agent on the line securing the border. They are all being used to transport and process illegals. And for the cartels, what that means is at will drug trafficking, at will human trafficking, at will sex trafficking, at will trafficking of people that hate us and, and want to do us harm. So it's funny because the, when you started saying this, the thought churned in my mind that, you know, obviously Greg Abbott's always trying to do the minimal, but clearly doing more relative to Arizona, um, that they don't want this public debate where you have the uh, Texas DPS putting up the wire and then the, the Border Patrol cuts through it and it creates a fight, it creates public exposure. So send it more to Arizona. A, it's, you know, you don't have the Texas infrastructure there. B, it's more remote. And then therefore, it's um, there's even fewer agents that could handle it and they could bring in all their other assets, bad people, bad drugs in there. Um, that, that that's why I asked you that question, because I, I re- was yeah. wondering if it was orchestrated on our side, kind of the same way the Biden administration wanted to use CBP one app, put them under the plazas where the drones can't really see the enormity of the crowds. So if this is a similar thing. Yeah, I have no doubt that there's a there's a part of it, as you mentioned, uh, Greg Abbott is the only governor in on the border that's actually doing anything to even slow down the flow. Um, but, and, and, and so there are some people that will just choose that route. They'll say, I don't want to deal with Texas. You know, I, I don't want to have to cross Constantina wire. I hear Arizona's good. Uh, the other part to that is the, you know, after the election theft, not of 20, uh, just of 2020, but of 2022 here in Arizona, it, if Carrie Lake were the governor of this state right now, this would not be happening, but we have a cartel supporting governor in Katie Hobbs down here. She has taken the assets, the resources of the state agencies to help in, in stopping this invasion. In fact, you used to see state troopers, Arizona troopers down on the border, they are gone. Uh, and so it's basically Arizona is just wide open. So for cartel activity, uh, for, for trafficking activity, for ease of, of flow, you're right. It, this is an area that's, that's easier to get through now. But I, I, I absolutely believe, as you mentioned, there is coordination from the U.S. side that is if not directly directing people where to go, it is uh, suggesting that, you know, the, the, the easier routes, the, the more beneficial routes for the administration, it's uh, where they basically just don't look as bad. And, and that's why I think we're seeing this. And, and truly, I mean, Tucson, it is shocking. The airport is full. Every single flight leaving Tucson now, if you come, I, well, just off the bat, I would say do not fly out of Tucson if you're departing because your flight will be a majority illegal aliens. Uh, we don't know where are they're they coming from a lot of times. chartered flights? Or the private? Some of them are chartered flights. Some of them are chartered flights, but they're almost all paid for by taxpayers. So whether wow. they're on commercial flights or chartered flights, uh, this, is, this is you are paying for this. We are paying for this. 
So you're saying it's not just that they bust them out, they fly. So j- just explain this for our listeners. They come to Lukeville, they come to some remote part of Cochise County or some of the counties over more towards the Indian Reservation there in the center, and a Border Patrol gets them. They they tell the agent, hey, I want to go to New York City or I want to go to Atlanta, and they're like, here's a flight? Yeah, so, they, uh, so there's one step in between that. There's the handoff to the NGOs. So the these non-governmental organizations that, uh, you know, Catholic Charities being the largest, but you've got Lutheran Social Services down here. It's uh, Casa uh, Alida, which is part of the Catholic Diocese in Tucson. And, and then from there, they are basically shipped wherever they want to go. Now, if they're unaccompanied minors, there's a whole ORR program for that. Um, but if you're, a, if you're a single adult male or you're a, a family, a so-called family with children, which, again, we're not vetting that, so you, you bring a child across, uh, you get to go anywhere you want in the country. And, and most of these flights now are paid for at taxpayer expense. They, they just don't have for, – for a while, they were actually forcing the illegals to pay, and, and uh, they were also forcing for them to pay for bus tickets. In some cases, they still do that. But the problem is they just don't have the resources or the locations to hold these people. So right now, it's just a matter of getting them off the border as fast as they can. So they're pumping millions, millions of dollars into this. Uh, at your, they're pumping millions of your dollars into this to just move them off the border and ship them into America so that you don't see them. So are, are they funneling that money to the NGOs or the NGOs get annual appropriations from DHS? How does that work? Uh, so most of that's through grants. So all of these NGOs are, are given, you know, they, they apply for different grants uh, for human, you know, whatever, migration. Um, but then some of that is directly from DHS and, and uh, uh, directly to these organizations as well. So, so again, I mean, we've pointed out many times that if you just throw more money at DHS without countermanding the policies – then, you know, all you're going to do is just fund a more efficient flow of catch yes. and release. And it sounds like that's what it is. They have these NGOs working. I know you've really been uh, honing in on that point, how, how destructive yeah. the NGOs are. Yeah, and, and, and to that point you just made, you know, Biden coming out saying they want to give $14 billion to, um, to help on the border. That $14 billion will simply be going to pay off sanctuary supporting cities like New York, um, like Chicago, that, you know, when you look at New York as a perfect example, it was just there a couple of weeks ago, that city is estimated to spend $12 billion over the next three years on illegal immigration. So when we talk, Biden talking about $14 billion, 12 of that is taken up with New York City alone. They aren't talking about spending another dime on actually stopping the flow because you don't actually need any more money. We don't need more money nope. just to, disinvite to stop them. the invasion. Yeah, you just, all you have to do is reenact President Trump's policies, uh, the reenact the Remain in Mexico policy, and deport people once they come in. As soon as you do that, they stop coming. But if, if the word is out, which it is right now, that all you have to do is come across the border illegally, and we will send you to your whichever destination you want to go to, there's, there's no de-incentive to not come. And so it's... Uh, they're coming. They're coming, and they're coming in bigger numbers than I've ever seen. And I've been covering this for a decade now uh, and really, really spending a lot of time down on the border for the last seven years. And I have never seen the numbers we're talking about. We're talking, you know, it's, it, it could easily uh, – we could have a, a million mo- a person month, and it won't surprise me over the next year. 
a million person month. I mean, yeah, it's unlimited supply. My question is qualitatively, who are these people? Who are these people we're bringing in? You know, before you came on, I drew the analogy that um, Israel handed out a bunch of visas to Gazans the last 18 months. And a lot of people felt would give them jobs, let them come in. And then it turns out a good number of them participated in the attacks and they knew exactly where the communities were, down to the house and the safety rooms. And I'm, and I'm watching here and thinking, again, you have these Catholic charities, these organizations that, oh, let's go bring these people in. Who are these people? Well, the simple answer is we don't know. Uh, the vast majority of people that are coming in through our southern border, we have no way of vetting. Uh, they, a lot of times that's also why we see them dumping their IDs when they come across. They can make up any story unless, the, unless they show up uh, on an Interpol terror watch list or unless we have a record of them, a fingerprint. Um, we have no way of knowing who they are. And so uh, some of them, I'm sure, are good people. Some of them uh, just got the invitation and said, I want you know, a better life for my family. And so I'm going for the the golden ticket, but there are many people coming across. And we know that just by the government's own statistics, uh, nearly 200 on the terror watch list this year. And those are the only, the ones that they've actually apprehended. The big concern that I have, the big concern that everybody that I know on border patrol and in DHS has are the ones that we don't know about. And that's the biggest problem we have right now is the number of gotaways uh, is, is we have no clue. Any number that the government gives you right now is total BS. They have, no clue how many people are coming in because we're not even tracking it anymore. I was uh, just down in uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago in another part of Arizona and went from Yuma, Arizona, or excuse me, from Lukeville, Arizona to Yuma, Arizona. I was, I was asked to go there by a border patrol friend of mine. And they, I was told as I was driving there that they no longer even track the numbers in that area. They, so we have no clue. So there are some people that, that want a better life. There are some people that just want the free stuff that, uh, that you're paying for. And there are some people that are coming in to do us harm. Um, and all you have to look at is, is Venezuela. Venezuela has been in partnership. You know this. You've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, the uh, Solis cartel working with Hamas and Hezbollah for years in, in alliance with Iran. Uh, there is no question about it that they are sending in operatives into our country to do us harm. But so is the CCP. So is Cuba. Uh, so are many other Middle Eastern countries. And so that's the, that's the big question is where is it, where is that attack coming from? Where is that next attack coming from? And that, uh, that, you know, we just, I don't have an answer for you on that, but it is, it's the big concern that I have. And it's the concern that most Americans have, uh, especially those that work in, in public safety and in national security. So I just, just to give you an update, uh, I just uh, followed this bus. It just came to an unmarked building, massive warehouse out here on the edge of Tucson. Uh, I don't even know what the name of this place is. So this appears to be the new NGO drop-off point. I'm actually going to get out in a second. And, uh, I, I, this is a new location for me. So Does anyone actually, do, do they actually stay in Tucson or they just all fly out? Yeah. Well, if you're coming across and and working for the cartel, there's a chance you're going to stay in Tucson. Uh, But and again, that's that's a large number of people that that are doing this as well. There's major cartel influence in America. They're shipping over a lot of their people to work uh, to basically slave labor in in uh, different communities. So some of them will stay. But the 
large majority, uh, 99% plus are going to a different destination. Um, I know this has been debated over the years, and I'm curious if, if you have an update given the dynamics now. You have tons of different national parks, monuments, lands all along the border in addition to the Indian Reservation. Is there evidence that you found of cartel activity in those remote areas on our side of the border? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this is the perfect location or example of that. Um, the, when you go down on to the, uh, uh, into Sasabe or south of Aravaca between Sasabe, Arizona, and Nogales, that's all environmentally protected areas of our, of our country. Um, and that is completely controlled by the cartels, both on the Mexico side and the U.S. side. They have permanent locations. They have permanent uh, bunkers on the Mexico side, but they also have permanent scouts on the U.S. side who observe uh, the activities of Border Patrol and then and relay that to the cartel. So this, is, this area in particular is uh, some areas are almost entirely controlled by the cartels. Sounds a lot like Gaza and <laughs> Gaza's border. Yeah. It really, it, it really does. I mean, how we don't learn that lesson. Um, so before you went back to Arizona, you were in D.C. a little bit. Is there any sense of urgency? I, I guess my question to you is this. From speaking to Republican members of Congress, do they fear the open border or a government shutdown more? Sadly, I think they, it's the latter. Um, oh, no. You know, this, this should be... I mean, we have a few good ones. You've got guys like Andy Biggs and... Sure. Um, and yeah, and, and even Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene and, and some of these that are, are uh, demanding that we do something about it. I'm, I'm actually walking across the street right now. I'm going to try to film this bus unloading. Uh, there are a few of them that are saying that. But from the leadership, I mean, there, there doesn't seem to be any appetite at all for doing what needs to be done. And, and it's very simple. The message should be very simple: either secure the border, or shut the government down. Exactly. Uh, there, I mean, we, we, we are, have no we are purpose committed. because all they're doing is preventing the states. I mean, this is why I'm pushing from Josh Hawley and 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 Representative Burleson from Missouri as well. They have a bill that will empower states to to deport. I mean, and that's the only way you're going to do this if the entirety of the federal opposition uh, proposition for border I, security is to prevent states from I doing sir, it. Hey, hey. That's right. Yeah, what's the uh, ben purpose there? Real, Real Amer- hang, hang on one second. Ben with Real America's Voice News. Just uh, So this is live. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're live right now. I'm just talking to Border Patrol. This They're is the live there. Border Patrol. And, 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 and by the way, Ben, before I let you go. Well, I'm on your side, brother. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Ben's uh, yeah, talking with border agents you, as, as we're on here. So, Ben. Hey, thank you, sir. Ben, before you go, okay? So just real quick, I know you got to run. You're running around there. Um, I'll let you go. I just want to know, what is the attitude of border agents? I've lost most of my friends there because they've left since the Trump administration. What are they even hoping to do? Um, I would say it's a combination of uh, just, I I don't know if despair is the right word, but uh, just a sense of of somewhat hopelessness. The guys that have, have, have lived through the last three years really... You know, if, if you've made it this far, uh, you, you just kind of have to have the blinders on and say, I'm just going to do my job and wait till I can retire or wait till I, 
I, I can get out of here. Uh, they're, the, you know, they're pissed. I mean, there's no question about it. They're pissed. I get calls from, from friends in Border Patrol almost every day saying, hey, you need to report on this. This is what's happening now. Uh, that's what, you know, the guys down in Loopville who told me about the Syrians coming across. They're concerned. They, they feel like many of them feel like they're breaking their oath. Um, but they also, most of them have families. They have, you know, mortgages. They have lives to live. And so when you talk about a guy that's been on the, in the force for 15 years, and, you know, it's like between being a hero and, and for five days and, and, and saying what needs to be said or, you know, keeping his job, uh, most of them choose to keep their job. But they, they hate what's happening. The guys on the ground absolutely hate what's happening. They can't stand Mayorkas. They believe he's a traitor. Uh, they can't stand Biden. And they're praying for President Trump in 2024. Man, this is... Uh... What what a what a time! And, but I but I understand it's kind of a similar thing with people in the FBI and elsewhere. You you uproot your family. Typically, you're going to live in a different place, and then uh, you're kind of stuck. And and you know, especially with law enforcement, it's very hard to just go back to saying, "All right, I'll get a job as a beat cop in some local, uh, you know, police." You're not going to earn enough to support a family. Um, it's it's very tough career wise. It really is, and it's just. It's just a shame. So anyway, um, people could find more of your live reporting at Ben Berkwim on, on Twitter. And again, this is americasvoice.news for your uh, for your show, Law and & Border, and then frontlineamerica.com for your columns. Keep up the good work. Keep up your reporting and report back to us soon. Will do. And actually, stay tuned. Uh, Veterans Day this Saturday, we'll have our next episode of Law & Border coming out. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely sign up there, uh, americasvoice.news. Take care, Ben, and stay safe. Thank you, brother. So there you have it, folks. You know, Ben Berquim, great presentation there. He's literally running around right there, does good work. And and that's the thing. You know, they just move on to Arizona. And while this is bad news, the fact that they're going to the most open part of the country where – there is no resistance. Like in Texas, you have some resistance. But it also pretends some good news in the sense that where you do fortify your state, they won't come. And that's kind of what I envision. Now, obviously, you might say, well, once they come in through, through Arizona, they'll go anywhere. And that is true. But that is why we need states to begin cutting off all benefits and giving all authorities to prosecute and remove that is ultimately the only way to either completely stop the problem or at least ensure that it's almost like two countries and they're drained off into these other areas. But that is an interesting observation because I've been wondering for a while why they're starting to go to Arizona. It's a lot harder to get there. It takes a lot longer to get there. It's a lot more costly. Um, the cartels don't need to get people in in a quieter area from their aspect they could just they could charge the peso and send them across you know in in the rio Grande valley and they get their money and they know border patrol will will cut them loose so that tells me he's right that a lot of this is being driven by the biden administration and and i have no doubt they're coordinating with the cartels to bring them in there where there aren't as many people focused on Arizona as Texas, and then you don't have any resistance there. So that definitely is a point. But again, I mean, do you think all, any of these people coming in share Republican values? No. 
And by the way, another interesting point he, he pointed out, we're funding these NGOs. That's another big provision. They need to be defunded. Think about these fake Christian and Jewish resettlement groups that are nothing but Muslim resettlement organizations. So it wasn't enough that they resettled them through the refugee resettlement program. Now they have to get involved in the open borders as well. Um, it's truly, truly disgusting. By the way, inter interesting report I saw out from Center for Immigration Studies. Um, 34.5% of all refugees resettled since FY 2010 were Muslim. So more than a third have been Muslim throughout the world, even though they are the ones doing the persecution. Um, again, I mean, these numbers are not huge because because the refugee resettlement program is just a percentage of the broader numbers. But in terms of Muslims, because it, the refugee resettlement program is the only one where we have documentation of religion. We don't have religion by, you know, just general green cards through another path. We've allowed in, do you know, do you know the number one refugee resettlement country uh, for Muslims? Iraqis, we brought in 75,546. I want you guys to think about that for a moment. And think long and hard. We bled. We lost 4,400 lives. 30,000 wounded. I mean, the PTSD, that doesn't include the PTSD, really. I mean, destroyed lives, spent $2 trillion to create... Iranian hegemony for the Hezbollah brigades to run Iraq and then we brought in refugees from about 50-50 Sunni and Shia to destroy our country and then now we still have soldiers in Iraq to patrol and defend the Shias from the Sunnis while the Shias attack us, they've, by the way, 46 soldiers have been wounded in Iraq and Syria. 46. Still going on. No leadership there. By the way, uh, uh, Tony Blinken was down there with uh, wearing body armor. The fact that he needed to be down there in Baghdad wearing body armor demonstrates the fallacy of everything we've done there. Spending billions of dollars on security, on embassies, in enemy nations... Those, those soldiers should be on our border fighting for our country. Instead, they're getting injured fighting for freaking Islam while the same Islamists go and you know, try to kill them while they're fighting the other Islamists on their behalf. That's how retarded our foreign policy is. Oh, and by the way, over the weekend, they tried to sack our Inserlik base in Turkey that's another thing. We need to move our bases out of Turkey. That's an old relic of the Cold War. Got to get them out of there. Erdogan is an Islamo-Nazi. By the way, Erdogan needs to be kicked out of NATO. We should make it clear to NATO, either we leave or Turkey leaves. Instead, we're, we're technically allies. We need to pull them out. Stop putting our soldiers in precarious situations aimlessly, not advancing, not achieving any mission, but just sitting there dying for the sword of Islam while we bring the sword of Islam on the throats of our own citizens in our own country. It's really not that hard. Stop putting our people in places where they hate us and stop bringing people who hate us 
to our places. <laughs> Is that so hard? And yet, as you heard from Ben, you know, GOP leaders, at the end of the day, they're still scared of a government shutdown. There is nothing that could happen, nothing that could inspire them to fight. Let's stop funding Hamas. Well, but then we'll have a government shut shutdown. Like, wait, what? You're not willing? The message should not be a laddered CR, a this CR, that date with this approved bill. I mean, that's a strategy, but your messaging should be we will not fund a suicidal border. There is no purpose of having a federal government on top of the tens of thousands of state and local governments we already have that would operate if you're not only going to have an open border, but have a federal government that orchestrates an invasion of people who hate us. And folks, that is just the way it is. Let me know your comments, questions, and concerns. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Also, again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Those of you who haven't yet signed up, or if you did, you can now bring someone for free. Once you pay for yourself, just 400 bucks for a $2,000 course, Fredericksburg, Texas. I hope to see you out there. Hope to shake your hand, meet you, talk with you guys. December 18th, four-day course. Again, folks, we got to be prepared. We have a government that's not protecting us. we got to protect ourselves. got to be trained. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.